you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. If you weren't in Sunday school this morning, you missed out on the prequel to this message. Uh, I know probably sometimes John Angerstein's probably wondering why I'm not saying anything and I'm, I'm trying to bite my tongue so I don't preach my message before I get out here. And Man, there's times when... Uh, you know, I, I feel kind of troubled in my spirit, and and uh, I go into Sunday school, and then he teaches a, a lesson that goes right in line with what God has laid on my heart. And man, it just it's really great to have that kind of confirmation to know that God is is at work; He's doing something, and it ain't just something I just come up with. You know, God's really really involved, and um. This may not be an easy one today, y'all. And, uh, I want you to know that <clears throat> the things we're going to talk about today should really just just break your heart. Um, what I want to talk to you about as kind of a general theme is is seeking Him first. And uh, if you've already missed the prequel to the message, you might want to make sure you make the the sequel to the message this evening. So, um, the God is is wanting to stir up His people, and there there's a lot of things that have to change in order for that to happen. And there's and change is not comfortable. Never is. Our whole perception of what it means to be a Christian very well may have to completely shift because the the model of Christianity today in this society is pretty far from his ideal and so in, in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 Jesus uh, talks about something and you know we always look at this passage of scripture when we're when we're trying to tell somebody how they shouldn't worry and and that is exactly what this, this passage is talking about, but much like other parts of the Word of God, you'll see that there is a, another thing that's being taught here, not just don't worry, but it's actually a mindset that we as children of God should have. In verse 33, he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And we totally get this out of order on a regular basis. And y'all, when I say we, I'm painting a pretty broad stroke. So if you're if you're sitting there and you're saying, man, well, that's not me. I put God first. Well, this doesn't apply to you then. I'm just I'm just throwing some stuff against the wall, so to speak. So But I know it applies to me. We get these things out of order. We try to add everything to us. And then we'll seek God when there's something left. God broke my heart about this last night, and I've been thinking on some of these things for uh, over a week now. But last night, man, He just really broke my heart. Y'all, we we focused on the wrong things. We, we've looked to the wrong things. 
Our days should be about seeking Him and His kingdom. Our, our, our whole day should be about Him. And, you know, there's a passage of Scripture in Psalms 118, verse 24, and we also sing this song sometimes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And we sing that and we, man, we just, we love, oh, this is a wonderful day that God has made. But y'all, I want you to think about this verse in a little bit different light this morning. I want you to, to really think about how, uh, he, what he is saying to you through that verse and, and not what you're trying to say to him. You see, this is the day that the Lord has made. This is not the day I made. And I'm going to somehow bend everything in existence around my agenda and then I'll rejoice and be glad in it. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that this is the day the Lord has made. No matter what you think about it, no matter how it it, it involves you, no matter how it affects you, this is the day He made. And whatever that entails, you need to find a way to rejoice and be glad in His will. But we want to shift it to our point of view and say, oh Lord, this is a wonderful day. Well, what about the days that aren't wonderful? Are those His days too or is that just a bad one we're going to write off and dismiss? You see, just because it doesn't line up with what my ideal of a good day is has no bearing on the situation. And y'all, I ain't just talking about how I feel about things. I'm talking about what my agenda for the day should be. Every day. I should wake up saying, God, this is a day that You have made. This is a day. Whatever I'm going to encounter today is something that You have uh, uh, assigned me to. Whatever this day involves is something that You've put me here for. And I'm going to rejoice in it and I'm going to be glad in it even if I don't feel like it, even if my body is hurting, even if I've got financial difficulties, even if I've got turmoil in my family, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in this day because this is what You have put before me today, God. You see, that's what it means to seek Him first and to seek His kingdom first. It's about Him. God, what is it that you're doing today? That's the thing I've got to focus on and everything else is just going to have to work itself out around that. That's what He was saying. He said, if you'll seek Me first, that other stuff will fall in line. And y'all, I'm going to tell you right now, there's people that won't like that. There's people that do not want to get in the groove that He has set for the day and they're going to go against the flow and that might involve going against you. But we've got to understand that seeking Him first has got to be our priority. Y'all, I cannot be calling myself a child of God if all I do is seek my own agenda. That, that doesn't, those two things don't go together. I can't, I can't be about his business and about my business at the same time. What does this mean for, for us as a, as a, as a believer? And what does this mean as, for us as a church? Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> Ephesians 5, verse 1. 
This is another thought that I've been really, I don't want to say troubled by, but something I've really been, I guess the Holy Spirit's just really been dealing with me about it. And here, here's the thought. He, he said that there's, that there's going to be two different ways, right? There's a broad way and there's a narrow way. He said, easy, it's easy to find that broad way. He said, but it leads to destruction. He said, there's a narrow way, and he said, there'll be few that find it. And the thing that I've been really just, just pondering and, and I've been stuck on is, who are those few? Who are those few? My fear is that there's a lot of people that count themselves in that number that won't be in that few. Because they've been deceived by a false doctrine. They've been deceived by false teachings that, that are tickling their ears. I, I, my fear is that we may be those that are finding the broad way because it's easy. And because it's not, uh, it's not difficult to find it. Do you hear me today, church? You see, it's real easy to find the broad way. And a lot of us have lived a Christian life that's real easy. Not a lot of persecution going on here in the United States and, and it scares me to death. And it should you too. We've got it so good we don't look for the narrow way. You do a real close self-examination, I think you'll find these same things. I'm not the only one. Okay? So, are we in that number, in that few? Oh, I love my Lord. I praise Him for His grace and His mercy. But I'm telling you right now, there comes a point in each and every one of our lives, and it probably needs to come again and again, that we hit our knees and repent before our holy God and confess our sins to Him. We can't continue living a life that is so easy and expect to be counted in that number. Ephesians 5 verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. We ain't even getting into marriage today, but y'all listen to the rest of this because it's very important. Even as Christ also loved the church. And this is where we really want to focus right now because this tells you what He's expecting. This tells you what He's coming after. This tells you what He wants to find when He returns. And you better do a close examination today and determine, is that us? As a group, is that us? As an individual, is that you? He loved the church and gave Himself for it. Don't let His death be in vain. Don't let his suffering be for no reason. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might, listen to this, present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. He 
He's coming for one that doesn't have a spot or wrinkle. One that is holy and without blemish. Who are those few? Church, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think we try hard enough. I don't think we're after the kingdom of God first in our lives. I don't think we're seeking Him with everything we have and letting everything else just take care of itself. I think we care a lot more about putting up a a nice, comfortable life for ourselves. I think we care a whole lot more about staying uh, with our hands clean and not getting messy. I'll tell you about another church. Have y'all ever read the book of Revelations and kind of wondered which of the seven churches did you fall into? Well, there's this one church called the Church of Laodicea. And y'all, I'm not going to tell you that this is our church today, but this, this is a warning. Okay, remember what I've said twice now about self-examination. You better be watching. You better be examining because if this is you, there's a problem. <clears throat> Verse fourteen of Revelation chapter three says, "And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things: saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness." The beginning of the creation of God. This is what Jesus says. Okay, so if He says it is true. He ain't just making this up. He ain't trying to apply something to to a, a body that doesn't stick, okay? And I'm not trying to say this is us, but we better check and make sure. He said, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. I wish you'd just pick one. That's what he's saying. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. He said, quit playing games. Quit playing church. Quit trying to have this facade of everything is okay in my life because y'all, I promise you it's not. Quit trying to look like what you think the ideal Christian looks like because you're probably missing it all together anyway. Listen to verse 17. He says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. We need to open our eyes, church. These things are not going on just in New York or Los Angeles or, or some foreign country. These things are all around us. They permeate every corner of our community. We see the, 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 the dead in Christ today that are going the way to hell. They're taking that broad way, but we have our eyes closed to it and we don't care that it's happening.
2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Y'all, I've read this verse I don't know how many times throughout my life. And I always projected this onto those outside the church. Why, surely this can't be in in the house of God. This this can't be God's people. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And this is the part right here that tells you this is not about the world. This is about those that are playing church. Those that are playing Christians. And I don't just mean they're having fun. I mean they're acting. They're putting on a show. They may have even deceived themselves. Do you hear me today, church? Having a form of godliness. Having a form of godliness. An appearance of godliness. Something that looks like godliness. But denying the power thereof. From such turn away. We need to look close at ourselves. Are we lovers of our own selves? We love pleasure more than God? You know, the, the church is supposed to be known by one thing. True Christians are supposed to be known by one thing. There is one thing that that Jesus said will identify us to the rest of the world. It's not how much we preach. That tells you right now that pastors are not responsible for all of this. It's not how well we dress. It's not our status in our community. It's It's not any of those things. It's not our wealth. It's not our education. It's not uh, how often we attend church. Do you hear me? There's one thing that Jesus said will identify true Christians to the rest of the world. He said, they will know you because you love one another. Well, that's not right. That can't be it. 
What is all this other stuff for? We, we, what about the signs that we put up? Well, that, doesn't that tell somebody? It, isn't it the way we talk? I mean, don't they, don't they see Jesus through our, our actions and, and, you know, if we just treat people right and, no, that ain't nothing about it. He said, they'll know you when you love one another. You see, we, we've got some very skewed perceptions of what is required as a Christian. We have forgotten what a true New Testament church is. We've lost sight of it because our society has dictated to us for hundreds of years what it is to go to church, what it means to be a member of a body of, of believers, what it is to be a Christian on a daily basis, and we've lost sight of the true purpose. The true purpose has nothing to do with our attendance in this building. The true purpose is, are we reaching people for the kingdom of God? Do we have love and compassion for those out there that don't know Jesus? The true picture of a Christian is, am I doing what is necessary to ensure that anyone around me that doesn't know Jesus, number one, sees Jesus in me, and number two, hears Jesus from my lips. You can't separate the two and say one is good enough because it's not. That's why everybody looks at the church and says, hypocrites, hypocrites, hypocrites. The majority of so-called Christians today say the right thing. They put up a front of the right thing. But everybody sees what's really going on. You're not fooling anyone. They see what's really in your heart. They see it through the way you talk to people, the way you interact with your family. They see it in all aspects of your life. And they call you a hypocrite. Shouldn't be this way, church. We've got to open our eyes and see what the truth really is. Quit fooling ourselves into believing it's all going to be okay. It'll work itself out. I'm not going to be held responsible for them if they want to go live a life like that. You better think again. I don't want to stand before the judgment throne and my God asked me, why didn't you do something about that? Why didn't you tell them about Jesus? Why didn't you show Jesus to them? Why didn't you show them love instead of, instead of excommunicating them? Why didn't you involve them in your life to the point that they can see Jesus? I don't want to stand there. In answer to that, you see, y'all, I'm not going to be judged for my sin because Jesus has applied His blood sacrifice, but I am going to be judged. Don't ever mistake that somehow you're not going to be judged. You will be judged. I'm just going to be judged for something different. He's going to say, what did you do with my Jesus? 
What did you do with my offering? The one that was, that was adequate to pay for all sin, what did you do with him? Did you just take it and consume it upon your own lust that you might be full and might be fat and enjoy my benefits? Or did you actually take it and say, man, this is good enough, I need to give it to everybody? You see, there is a difference in a way someone deals with things when it comes to how they feel about it. And this is what we need to determine today, church. You need to determine this before you leave this building. What are you going to do with Him? Do you love Him? Or is it just good insurance? You see, because in order to say I love Him, I have to know Him. In order to say I, I want to be with Him, I need to know something about Him. In order to say I know Him, i got to spend some time with Him. I'm going to tell you right now, if we will get our relationships with Jesus straightened out, you hear me? Don't, don't, y'all don't trail off on me right now. If we will get our relationships with Jesus straightened out, this other stuff will take care of itself. You hear me? If we seek Him first, we ain't got to worry about are we doing enough for the kingdom of God. We ain't got to worry about are people seeing Jesus in us. We've got to seek Him first, church. That means spending time with Him. It means spending time in His Word. It means spending time in prayer and letting our family see it. Let them know that we love our Lord. We love our Savior. It's not something that we... That it's a drudgery to go through. But we, we recognize that He has the key to victory and freedom and liberty in this life. And without Him, there is nothing but bondage. If we're not living that out, What's the point? Y'all, anybody can find the broad, easy way. Y'all know that old saying, even a blind pig finds an acre every now and then. Even a, even a dead clock is right twice a day. Right? Anybody can find the broad, easy way. They don't even need our help with it. But what are we doing to point people to that narrow way? You know what we need to answer first? Are we in the few? Don't you think that's worth finding out? You might be sitting here right now and you know in your heart beyond anything else that you're in that few. Man, that's wonderful. I hope you do. But if there's any kind of doubt in your mind, you better make sure. You know what's terrible? It's not the, the person that lives in a life of sin and on their deathbed finds Jesus. That's not what's terrible. What's terrible is somebody that lives a life like they're a Christian and doesn't find Him on their deathbed. You, you see what I'm saying? People that have been deceived, maybe even by their own selves, that they are a Christian, that they are in the few, but when the end comes... All they really did was take the easy way and put up a form of godliness because that's what they were taught. Y'all, you can learn how to act like a Christian. You hear me? You can learn how to act like a Christian. You can also learn how to lie real well. 
neither one of those things are true. Truth happens when Jesus encounters you and you invite Him to come into your heart and change you. You see, that is the only way your heart's going to change. You might change your actions on your own, but that old heart is still the same. Only Jesus can come in and start to make you into something new.